Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on October the 24th, 2018. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, dropping out harder than a student. Caffeine <laughs> rage. Sorry. Couldn't help I was myself. like, good, good joke, but also slightly worrying <laughs> based on your internet connection shenanigans this week again. Although it's my, not your my, fault. Internet, my internet's either really good or completely down. And unfortunately, yeah. this past month, it's kind of been a coin flip. And it seems yep. to I really hate Tuesdays. Your so internet th- is like my sneezes. Just go big or go home. Uh, it's, it's the anti-Garfield because it hates Tuesdays. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be covering a lot of news. Telltale's bosses insist people did not associate humor with the Guardians of the Galaxy. John Total Biscuit Bane is to be inducted into the Esports Hall of Fame at ESL uh, as the first non-player. Indie developers are frustrated with Valve's lack of support. A proposed law in Pennsylvania would tax mature video games. CCP CEO, you can't build a business on current VR. Fortnite delays its full launch and free-to-play save the world mode. The Dreadnought developer Six Foot lays off one-third of its staff. We'll have our community corner this week discussing the giveaway, or wrapping up the giveaway. And we will have a Discovery Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. That was a mouthful. Hello, Rage. Well, you're used to mouthfuls. I am, indeed. <laughs> oh. Well, I have a pretty bad gag reflex, honestly. I'm not the best at it. That's more than most of you probably wanted to know, but here we are. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I did ask for it. You did. You absolutely asked for it. You also invited me into your bedroom earlier today. <laughs> Some people would think that was weird, but me, I think that's awesome. Well, we've known each other for this long, so why not, right? <laughs> Might as well take it to the next level. <laughs> we'll end. We'll end the will they, won't they tension. <laughs> they will. They totally will. That probably sounds terrible. It's fine. Don't oh, worry no, about it. no worse than usual. How was your day, buddy? It was all right. I had a interesting day. Don't really want to go too much into it, though, because we definitely need to get through the episode, don't we? <laughs> Fair play. But I do always ask you how you were doing. In quick response, my day was pretty good. Fairly normal at the clinic. Uh, only we, we only had to deal with one racist person today, so... Also, I mean, it was uh, a below par, or or, yeah. or are they so bad that you know they made up for it? She was so bad she made up for at least a couple of additional racists. But yeah, she was she was very racist. Wow, that there bad. Was, there was yelling and screaming and swearing and a door slam. One of our nurses is Hispanic, um, and I mean she speaks English fine. Oh, boy. you have to be the kind of racist that this person was to get upset. That air quotes. Uh, she doesn't speak good enough English. I need someone who can speak English proper. Lee. Actually, she said talk English proper, so. <laughs> Lee. Yeah, I know. It's supposed <laughs> to have Lee, but she didn't say that because she's no, no, a no. great. I, I would have been just Lee every single time. <laughs> 
She's yeah, she's your stereotypical racist redneck white yeah, trash person. Yeah, you think the of. the irony in that uh, she talks about not being able to speak English properly, yet is an absolute uh, idiot when it comes to her grammar. Yep, it was uh, it was awe inspiring, but not in the good way. Just like, wow, Jesus fuck. Now, now the question is. Did you check to see if she was mailing any uh, packages lately? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, for those who are listening to the podcast in the distant future, uh, this week there... Well, actually, today there was uh, several bomb scares <laughs> on... Uh, uh, it was Obama, uh, Clinton, CNN, and a Democratic... Uh, donator so yeah (laughs) yeah so that's where that joke came from but it got a good laugh so it did but also just like jesus fuck anyways though yeah we won't waste time tonight you actually are the one that needs to go to bed early because you got a big day planned tomorrow you're going on an adventure yeah uh, another food sojourn because i gotta go quite the distance to hit a grocery store yep stupid kroger we uh, we decided to cut games we played this week. Each of us only had one, although in a roundabout way. Rage is going to wind up talking about his game a little bit. Although he talked about it quite a bit in the pre-show. So, you know, we might do something with that. I also might just save it for the next Franken show. But anyways, without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump into our first news topic of the week. Which is the Telltale bosses insist people did not associate humor with Guardians of the Galaxy, and although this is a part of the headline, showing they grossly misunderstood their audience. <laughs> oh, the, the more and more we learn about what happened with Telltale and the higher ups, the more it's yeah seems like this was just inevitable. You know, there was no way to get past this because not associating humor with Guardians of the Galaxy, okay. I've actually never watched Guardians of the Galaxy, but I know that it is humor-centric. It's a comedy movie, right? Yeah. Yep. It's a big old space comedy opera movie. Now, the comics, I mean, I've, I've read the comics, lots of the comics. The comics are not all quite so humorous. The Guardians of the Galaxy has kind of always been like the red-headed stepchild of the Marvel universe. It doesn't and have so a soul? weird... <laughs> No, it doesn't. They get weird stories and wacky stories, and sometimes they're really funny, but also sometimes they use that, like, weirdness to tell some very tragic, sad things. But the movies, which are how most people know who Guardians of the Galaxy are, because even some Marvel fans are like, Guardians of the what? The who now? Um, The movies are how most people would be introduced to the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and those things, both of them, are extremely comedic. So... Yeah, they didn't uh, didn't know their audience or the material. Well, I think looking back, it's really obvious that what they were doing was just kind of hapdash. I mean, especially Guardians of the Galaxy, but uh, Jurassic Park didn't seem to really uh, gel either. Uh, I think they uh, the Wolf Among Us was just on the tail end of the Walking Dead, so you know they uh, the. Uh, the theming there really worked. The fact that they went uh, tried to go mature or Minecraft is just a head scratcher to me. Yeah, that's in the article, uh, this larger article, talking about how they wrote Minecraft with teenagers in mind. 
Yeah, which, uh, and pardon for the chair noises. I'm sure that was very entertaining. Uh, it's just the fact that they seem to want to target the same audience over and over again, which there was another, uh, there was a video that I actually didn't put in the show notes or the docket, but it was talking essentially how the higher-ups at Telltale were uh, basically got a, a uh, this fixation on the formula that The Walking Dead had and kept trying to reinvent it, or not even reinvent it, they just uh, to copy it over and over again. And I think it's pretty obvious the fact that, you know, Telltale never really innovated past The Walking Dead for quite a while. Yeah. And I mean, there's no issue with trying to sell to the same audience all the time. Like, pick what you're good at and stick with it. But you have to pick the right, in, in this sort of business, you have to pick the right material to do so. And The yeah, Walking but... Dead and The Wolf Among Us both fit very well into that niche. They fucked up Game of Thrones in, in more than well, one to, way. Well, to be fair, I never uh, played the Game of Thrones, and I had little interest in it. So I don't know what they did there. What did they do? Um. So Telltale's engine and graphical style works really well for cartoony, cel-shady type things. It, it's terrible if you try and do realistic looking people. Cause that was the biggest problem. It was hardcore uncanny valley. Cause they went for realism and their game engine and everything just wasn't made for it. And the other thing was that they just messed up a lot of the basic storytelling from the universe. Um, like you're following some new characters that are not mentioned in the books or the show and that don't really interact with any of the main characters at all. From the show, you get a few interactions with them, like one per episode, but that's five minutes per each two to two and a half hours. It's just not not what it needed to have been, to have been a good Game of Thrones game. Yeah, I'm looking at it here, and wow. <laughs> there, there are some real uncanny valley here. Yeah, and seeing it in action when it's moving is even worse. Honestly, uh, some of this looks just north of Oblivion. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, damn. But, uh, yeah, Uh, so that's... uh, The environments are uh, well done, but as soon as you started getting into any of the uh, characters, oh, let's just put it this way. They're top-rated, or most popular uh, screenshot is referencing uh, the Wolf Among Us. <laughs> uh, yep. the, the, uh, the comment on it. That doesn't bode well, sense. does it? Colin, no. is that you? <laughs> oh, But yeah, um, pretty much the video talked about trying to just grab as many high-profile licenses as possible, but uh, wanting to do the same story over and over again, never mind the theming of the universe that they're playing in. And, you know, that's pretty obvious now what the, you know, that some of the, some of the um, universes that they got, some of the licenses that they got just did not fit the Telltale formula the way that they wanted it to, but they just hammered it in there anyway, which is disappointing because they had some big names. The fact yeah. that, the fact that they couldn't do a Batman uh, game all that well. 
is rather telling, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, even if they had done, you know, mediocre, I think they still would have gotten a lot of people being like, oh, it's Batman. But they did such a bad job, most people were like, nah, I don't want to play the Batman game. I mean, everything I heard about the first season of Batman was related to the engine. that It just couldn't hold up. It was just collapsing under the weight of uh, the uh, all the uh, assets that they tried to put into it. It was a uh, a crashy, buggy, laggy mess. So I didn't even bother. And I like Batman. Yeah, um, I mean, Batman's okay. I'm not a Batman guy. But we've had this conversation yeah. a bunch of times, too, so... It's just... Um, uh, the only thing that... Uh, uh, that this does is just makes me laugh, but also just disappointed, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they fucked it up. Yep. The people at the top did. And that's usually what happens to pretty much anything. Poor yeah. management, poor decisions, focusing on short-term gains as opposed to long-term strategies eventually leaves you, uh, with a, a dead studio. Yeah. I just hope that a lot of, indie uh, houses take a look at how telltale handled uh, their licensing and handled uh, all their management and learn some very important lessons from this because they were tied so much to the licensing that they were never able to really do anything of their own to the point where they had to pull a a couple of their games just because uh, they uh, uh, lost their licensing deal they, well, uh, it's not, well, it's on the docket, but they were fined a million dollars because they uh, had a leak of the Stranger Things game that was starting to be made. And because of that leak, it actually soured a lot of of uh, possible deals that they could have made, which sunk the company. They were a bet so hard on their licensing that it's just absurd that you know they went from doing okay to just dead in a couple weeks. Yeah. And the fact that they had a clause in their contract that had it where if they had a leak of a game coming up, they would be fined that much is just absurd. Granted, I do not work in game development. I do not work in licensing. But while NDAs are a thing in uh, game production, having a in, uh, NDA that punishes the company that harshly when there is no direct link to the company itself that uh, did the leak, because it could have been a focus group, it could have been a friend of a friend, who knows uh, where that leak came from, but it still hurt Telltale. Yeah. It's just a head-scratcher to me, but yeah. It's almost like they had bad management or something. It's like they made poor decisions about lots of things. Yeah. How about we move on to a good decision? Indeed. Uh, Total Biscuit to be inducted into the Esports Hall of Fame at ESL um, as the first non-player yeah, there's in the league. Uh, sorry, I was about to say, there's actually a, quite a few Esports Hall of Fames. I actually didn't realize there was that many. Uh, this is uh, one of the smaller ones that is focused on just essentially uh, legends of esports. 
from yeah. uh, what I could recall, one of them was uh, uh, one of the other people in it is one of the top uh, CS:GO uh, uh, players. There's one person that was essentially the first pro player. So having Total Biscuit in uh, that company is impressive. And he did quite a bit for the StarCraft uh, esports. He did uh, quite a bit for uh, gaming in general. So uh, him being the first non-player in there, I completely agree with. I do too. Um, I would say that he's one of the most important people that's ever existed for gaming. Um, I'm not going to say that he's the most important person. How about that's non-game creator? To... Yeah, someone he's that, definitely someone, the most... Yeah, someone that doesn't Sorry. work in the actual industry creating the games. Uh, yeah. Uh, being a games journalist, being uh, a critic. Uh, he's uh, probably... He'd probably uh, cringe to hear this, but close to what people would think Cisco and Ebert uh, were for gaming. No, I'm not going to cringe at that. I agree, Well, well I was saying that he would have. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, that makes perfect sense, actually. Like, the level of impact and how well he was known. I mean, sure, there are plenty of people that wouldn't know who he is. It's not like he's, I don't know, Tom Cruise or something. But to pretty much anybody who knows anything about gaming, I think you could mention his name and have a good chance of them knowing who he, who he was. And have a strong opinion one way or the other because he was one of those that did not, uh, pull his punches and also probably shouldn't have been on Twitter all that much to be perfectly honest. He was a very flawed person. Yeah. But I mean the biggest, I mean he admitted his flaws. He always owned up to them. Um, he put a lot of people around him to help him stay out of trouble. Didn't always work but you know the the later years were much better than the earlier years. Mm-hmm. Um I've actually been catching up on the co-optional podcast. Jenna's doing a lot better. Those first few episodes, yeah, yeah, and I kind of had this get, thought. Yeah, it definitely gets better. Yeah, after the first Grant, few, I was I'm, like, you know what? She's probably, you know, she's just getting in the swing of this. She's recovering from the death of her husband. Mm-hmm. I should, you know, keep listening. Yeah, honestly, I was shocked that uh, she kept. Uh, well, I shouldn't say she kept it up, but uh, I immediately jumped back into the podcast because uh, it was only a week or two. Yeah, I think it was two weeks. I think they did like a, right after it happened, they had like a, a short special, mm-hmm. and then maybe two weeks later they jumped back in. But I mean, she said herself, like she's like, I mean, I'm a workaholic. If I don't, you know, put myself back into my work, I don't know what's gonna happen. Although yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, probably about three or four episodes behind, uh, but my Twitch Prime uh, subscription, I keep on uh, uh, the Total Biscuit, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, Twitch stream so uh, even though i don't watch it live because it's recording day for us and i have other yeah. things to do before that i keep it there just to you know to toss them a, a couple bucks yeah um did you know i didn't know this but she announced on one of the episodes that she also has cancer yeah uh, yeah that's the where i heard it and that she yeah. uh, kept it quiet because of uh everything that he was dealing with yeah, hers isn't as advanced. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and her son also had it. a scare. I mean, damn! All right. When it rains, it pours. Mm-hmm. But we're making it sad. This is supposed to be happy. Yeah. Stop being sad. 
Uh, coming from the therapist. Just stop it. Stop being sad. <laughs> Um, no, I think that, uh, well, I, like, that, I saw this. Is that this. very effective for you? You just yelling at somebody to stop being sad? <laughs> no, it usually doesn't help. Um, there's a video I'll have to send you later. You may have seen it before, because you've, I think you've seen more SNL than I have, but, uh, there's something I have to send you later about that. But anyways, um, yeah, as soon as I saw this, I sent it to you on, on Steam chat. Yeah, and I said it was already in the docket. <laughs> yeah. So... Very, very happy to see this. Gave, gave me a little smile. Um, yeah, I, I really do miss him. Uh, not, not just for the uh, his content, but also that uh, he uh, would tell you what he thinks. He wouldn't sugarcoat things, you know? Yeah. And I haven't found anyone that's even close. Probably Jim Sterling is the closest. Yeah, but yeah, but that's a persona, you know? That's him projecting no he he does that too even when he's not doing his uh jim fucking sterling son you know persona because i listen to his podcast and he's much more like he's not his character he's himself and he still is very honest like calling out you know things like with ubisoft and well i mean and he does it in his regular youtube videos too like the non-jim position videos Mm -hmm. so I mean, he's not the, like, he's not Total Biscuit, and he's never tried to be TB, but he's probably the closest. Um, Young A is pretty good too, as is, um. Sid Alpha. Sid Alpha. Well, uh, Sid Alpha's been called, uh, Total Biscuit Light (laughs) several times, which I found amusing. But, but they don't have the same amount of clout that TB did. Yeah. You know. And the thing is, I don't think we're gonna see, I hate to say replacement, but a, uh, uh, a spiritual successor to the Total Biscuit throne, to the Golden Throne, <laughs> uh, to throw it back to Warhammer that he loved, uh, and for several years until somebody builds the clout. Because I think they're they're just, uh, yeah, what Total Biscuit became was something over the course of. Uh, all his World of Warcraft stuff and then jumping off into more general gaming. So uh, for someone to get as big as him in the critical uh, sense, not, you know, like Ninja or PewDiePie or, you know, uh, uh, a streamer, a a YouTuber, a vlogger, that sort of thing, but as a critic to have enough sway to be able to get uh, to get (laughs) A field of view sliders named after him. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to take a while, you know? Yeah. I know um, I, I have at least one game that has a uh, an achievement named after him for messing with the uh, field of view, but I can't think of what game it is. I don't, I don't either. I didn't know that. He's got an item named, well, he's got multiple items named after him in multiple games, and then he's got the voice pack for StarCraft. Yeah, which actually uh, goes to his wife now. Uh, all the money uh, that uh, uh, Blizzard would have gotten from that, uh, they donate to uh, to Jenna. And they also, to show you how much of a class act Blizzard can be, all the money that they got retrospective went to her. They announced that during the WCS uh, tournament when they announced that they were having the charity pack. 
Uh, I hadn't heard that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Jumping back to the dynamic for a second. I was sitting here thinking about this. I think... I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or if it's just happening as the dynamic of the group, the podcast group changes. But to some extent, Jesse is getting a little more sort of grumpy and <laughs> serious about things. Um, and I've seen some of that, too, like because I listen to Cox and Crindor in the morning, which is their you know sort of variety comedy podcast that they do. Mm-hmm. And he's gotten a bit more serious ever since TB passed. So I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or if it's just like. Or, you know, uh, you know because th- those two were close. Yeah. Grant, I'm not sure how much of that was played up, but I do know that they were friends. Yeah. And I imagine that it would uh, really have impacted him. Yeah, I imagine so as well. Um, that was just a thought that I was having. Um, so, yeah. Missy TV. Yeah, I do Are have we, to uh, uh, it's a... Uh, it's a little sad whenever I see the, you know, Total Biscuit has gone live in my email yeah. for, uh, for the podcast because it's like, oh, I know it's terrible. I mean, to think that I think of it that way, but still. Yeah, no, I get it. Makes sense. Nothing weird or wrong about it. Um, Okay, so moving on to our next news topic indie developers are frustrated with valve's lack of support and then i would say what else is new <laughs> in other news water is wet water's wet the sun rises uh we can't explain you know. todd's tide, yeah <laughs> tide goes in tide goes out can't explain it <laughs> oh but yeah, essentially, uh, this is what the customers were dealing with for ages, and Valve eventually started to get around to uh, fixing their customer support. And now it seems like at least the smaller indie devs, that's the problem, is that they opened up the floodgates, but they never really got the groundwork in to help people flooding in. And it seems like, you know, it's becoming quite the problem over there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um a lot of smaller devs are complaining or, you know, saying things like, I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if their cut wasn't so big, but they're taking 30% of their profits right off the top. Um, apparently, devs are reporting that Valve is putting their games on sale in various regions without asking for permission or without even informing them. Um, which is, that would be the most infuriating. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially since... Some devs are very anti-sale or only want to do the big sales and not do anything else, which, okay, fine. But still, uh, the fact that their products are going on sale without their notice. Yeah, this, without it, their notice or consent. Uh, this is uh, not like a uh, big box store where, you know, they just buy the product and then whatever they do with it uh, is up to the uh, individual stores. This is a completely different thing. This is coming uh, directly from uh, the individual uh, vendors, essentially. So the fact that they're saying, okay, uh, you take a, a, a big cut right now is just strange. And especially since some of these are games that aren't uh, that small. 
you know, uh, they're talking about Hand of Fate here and Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. Uh, said that the, uh, there's both positives and negatives about Steam reviews uh, are helpful, but uh, determining what works uh, and what doesn't it doesn't really seem to get through. Uh, there's a lot of systems on uh, Steam that are half-baked. And I think that's uh, coming back to bite valve right now. Their tagging yeah. system is half-baked. Their review system is half-baked. Uh, the curator system is, I would say, I would say it's about two-thirds baked right now. <laughs> well, that's good. It'll be just a little mushy on the inside instead of raw. Yeah, just put it back in the oven for a while, you know? Or, or just, uh, you know, slice off a slice and put it in the toaster because that works, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, that does work. As long as it's not too, you know, has to be most of the way there for that to work. Sometimes I do that with, like, pancakes or waffles. I'll leave them a little undone in the middle on purpose because I know I'm going to save them and then toast them later. Well, see, I can't do that. Mostly because I have a Belgian waffle maker and my waffles won't thin in the toaster. <laughs> fair. That's fair. Uh, my waffles are the size of dinner plates. I mean, yes. granted, I could uh, just... Uh, I do have a four-slice toaster, so I could just break the waffle up into quarters and uh, put it in, but... You know, that seems counter. Uh, yeah, that, that seems uh, like it wouldn't be a good way to do things. That seems like a waste of a delicious, huge waffle. It's just not the same when you break it into little chunks. It doesn't taste as good. It's all a mental thing, I know, but much like you, a mental thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder at what point all of this stuff is just gonna like come back and eat Valve's lunch, and they're just gonna get fucked. Like, it's hard well, to say. Like, they're so big, but, I mean, things can happen. Like, stuff changes. Valve used to not exist. Like, people used to hate Steam. They hated it being forced on them, and it's kind of accepted now, but yeah, something I, could still come along and change all of that. Well, we're starting to see all these little marketplace sp uh, places sp pop up. And no, I'm not talking Uplay and Origin or the single publisher sites. Uh... Discord recently started a uh, site. Uh, Congregate started up a site. Um, uh, GOG has branched out more and more and more into more modern gaming. So we're seeing little bits and pieces taken away. And I'm not sure if we're ever going to see... Well, I shouldn't say... Never say never, right? But yeah. I, I think uh, the site that takes over for Valve isn't going to be doing it on their own power. I think it's going to be more Valve fucks up one too many times, or they do something that breaks something just right in the course of all their half-baked systems or all their ideas that don't quite mesh together. I think that the site that takes over for Valve will be the one that takes all Valve's ideas and refines them. The, the one that is able to take the, uh, the user tagging system and take out all the memes, all the jokes, and make it actually work. So you don't get My Little Pony being psychological horror, you know? Yeah. That's a good point, and I think you're right. Whoever can take Valve's stuff and do it better. Which, I mean, that sounds like, well, yeah, duh. But, I mean, there's so many people that are trying different things. But, yeah. 
I mean, whoever emerges on top. And I do wait, think whoever uh, emerges. And I do think whatever site, it's going to have to have some sort of dedicated client. Like how GOG recently launched Galaxy. Discord is baked into Discord. So, you know, that's uh, the client baked in already. And uh, it's also going to be some sort of value added thing where uh, Discord has the Nitro system. I think it's called Nitro at least, or whatever they're calling it. That has essentially the EA All Access Pass, where you pay in a subscription and you get a bunch of indie games. Humble Bundle does the same thing with uh, the Vault. So having some sort of subscription service may also be the key here to be able to get enough market share to be able to snowball. And I think it's going to be whoever hits that tipping point first that's able to say, okay, we're going to have this game exclusive for this long. And because a certain majority, or or I should say a certain subset of gamers have no patience whatsoever and will pre-order anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll jump on to whatever site has the big game of, you know, whatever time, and it'll snowball from there. So it's just going to be who reaches the tipping point first. I don't think Valve's in any danger of ever going away unless, well, I, once again, never say never, under the guidance of Gaven, I should say. So I think Valve is good for a while. For Steam is good for quite a while. Yeah. But it's going to be the changing of the guards. That's going to be the real test for Valve. What is going to happen in the post-Gaben Valve? The post-Gaben Steam? Are we going to see a dramatic shift of a corporate culture? Or, because Valve is a very different machine from a lot of other game what do we call uh valve anyway publisher distributor uh, i mean um, i mean it sure is not a game maker these days okay okay maybe I a guess... little bit game maker because they do have uh, uh their card game coming out yeah i guess they would be distributor uh well have they published any games recently Oh, uh, the, that that Dota card game or whatever. Yeah, the Dota card game, and supposedly they have a lot of VR projects in the uh, in the background, which kind of funny considering our news articles, huh? Yeah, um, I would say publisher then. Yeah, they're a games publisher. Games publisher slash distributor. Yeah, they don't really seem to develop their own games anymore. Which saddens me. Uh, listening to some of these songs and. Uh, Portal 2. Uh, I've been going through in, uh, uh, in Amazon Prime and getting a bunch of, sa- of uh, soundtracks. And uh, Portals is on there. Actually, a lot of Valve stuff is on there. And listening to some of like the ending theme uh, uh, for Portal 2 just uh, fills me with a little bit of sadness because they haven't done a single player game in ages. And that's what I really fell in love with Valve on, was uh, their strong single-player focus for quite a while, with uh, some co-op thrown in. But no, they uh, seem to be going all in on multiplayer these days. And I I can't really blame them, uh, per se. I mean, especially uh, with uh, Artifact, is it? 
the Dota card game? Uh, the Dota card game? I Yes, I think it's Artifact. I don't really know. Uh, it's not on my radar. I mean, considering that they have essentially a captive audience where they can make the Artifact built so far into the Steam marketplace and also double dip on all the fees uh, for each individual transaction that I don't blame them for making Artifact, but it still saddens me that they have seemed to have no interest in what made them great anymore. But we talked about Telltale, you know, not willing to adapt. Well, this is a case of a game studio adapting. It's just adapting to what I don't want, which disappoints me. But in, in the end, I understand what happened, you know? Yeah. Doesn't mean I have to like it, but I understand it. <laughs> Indeed. Okie dokie. Well, you mentioned VR in there in that last one. Uh, but that's not, nope, there's one in between. Never mind. Fuck it. <laughs> well, the news articles so, are uh, in complete disarray. Oh, I just copied them all straight up. I guess I got those two backwards. Whoops. Uh, well, See, anyways, our... This is what happens when you do the show notes. <laughs> our next news topic, proposed law in Pennsylvania would tax mature video games. Oh, fucking idiot. Oh, moving seems right like along. You have, <laughs> seems like you have strong feelings about this rage. Would you care to, uh, uh, it's just, to comment more? Uh, this is going to do absolutely nothing to curb games going to minors, which is going to... Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what they're uh, proposing this as, you know, a way to keep ga- uh, kids from playing games, right? Right. But all it's going to do is make them a little bit more expensive, or they're just going to be ga- uh, gotten from another place. It does absolutely nothing to to fix the problem. It's just getting more money for the government. But then again, yeah, that's usually what these are, uh, isn't it? You know, it's not pretty much. It, yeah, it's not an incentive or a decentive uh, for a particular habit or bad habit. It's just a money grab. I mean, just look at the tariffs uh, that's been uh, thrown around in the last oh, six months uh, yep. by the federal government. Although uh, those are going great, right, guys? Right? <laughs> Crickets? Yeah. We won't get into that. Yeah, let's see. Uh, over the past few years, acts of violence in schools seem to be occurring more frequently. Uh, this is a quote from uh, dipshit Quinn, uh, who I believe is the person uh, that's proposing the bill. Um, let's see. More and more frequently, with more intensity, from Colorado to Connecticut uh, to most uh, recently Parkland, uh, Florida. Students have experienced unthinkable actions by peers in a place that should promote learning and enrichment, safety, and protection. Okay, so how does this affect uh, video games again? Because that's usually an outlet, isn't it? Yep. There's never been a single... I mean, we've been over this a bunch of times. There's never been a single study that's connected video games to violence. It's actually the opposite is true. Video, Video games reduce violent tendencies... I mean, it's almost like we have do. someone here that's written a paper, you know, maybe a thesis on this. I did do that. I did do that thing. Um, you know, to the, if they wanted to just, like, tax video games more overall, like, 
I don't know, put them in some different bracket or give them some different clause. Sure. So, Fine. so does that mean that uh, we get uh, some sort of video game patch to uh, wing us off uh, video games like uh, cigarettes? <laughs> oh, um, you know, it, there are plenty of products that fall into different or weird tax brackets. That's fine. Um, but just doing it from a truer games is not, that's a way to look like you're doing something about a problem, but really you're just wasting time. Everyone's time. Cause it's not going to do anything. Might get, I mean, they'll get some more tax revenue from adults buying mature rated games and it won't do anything to stop the kids who play them and it won't do anything to stop violence in schools because video games are not the problem it's almost as if they're trying to ignore um uh the weapon facts evidence that's being used you know or the fact yeah. that mental health is slightly frowned upon by a large portion of the population or mental health well-being, I should say. Uh, but a couple other key quotes that's in the article. It's important to keep in mind that violent video games, uh, uh, vital, sorry, violent video game exposure is only one risk factor of aggressive behavior. For example, mental illness, adverse environments, and access to guns are all risk factors of aggression and violence. So, okay, so we're going to be taxing guns then? I mean, that also wouldn't solve the problem, but... It's almost as if they have one tool and they're just trying to hammer it in. Uh, are we sure he doesn't work for Telltale? <laughs> Generally, taxing things does not change people's behavior. I mean, if you go way over the top, you might. A create but a black a small market. Tax... Uh, well, if you go way over the top, you create a black market. Just look at cigarettes in New York City, is it, where... Uh, cigarettes are essentially trucked in and sold piecemeal because the taxes are uh, so high there? I don't know. I've never heard that before. But, I mean, taxing things is not a good way to curb people's behavior. You can let create legislation to curb people's behavior. That's a thing. But taxes is not a very efficient way to do it most of the time. People will still go after the thing that they want and just find other ways to afford it or... They'll go to an alternative that does the same thing. So, yeah, technically you've curbed someone's behavior, but you just push them into a different activity that is more or less the same. Uh, yeah, according to this, I just wanted to go double check my facts because trust but yet verify. Uh, New York City has a city tax on top of the state tax, which adds another two to three bucks, which brings the total tax uh, to nearly six. For a pack of cigarettes. So, yeah, uh, taxation can c uh, create a black market. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, there's going to be an underground web uh, distributing Halo. Yet, you know, I do think that uh, people are going to try to find a way around this whenever they can. Yep. They would indeed. And I mean, it's not going to affect the secondhand market, which is it still a huge portion of, of video game sales. Especially console. Well, I mean, we're moving... Yeah, especially for console. I mean, PC is pretty much all digital, and consoles are moving more digital, but still, there's a big enough used market that companies like GameStop make most of their money from that. Uh, which uh, makes me wonder, you know, uh, when uh, the big publishers are going to go after GameStop for, you know, kind of robbing them. 
because they don't when uh, they don't uh, get a uh, cut of those sales, and GameStop really, really, really pushes those secondhand sales. Yeah, I mean, whenever GameStop is doing more harm than good for the for those companies, it's when they go after them. I assume there's something, you know, behind the scenes that we don't yeah, know about. You know. Uh, but anything else on this? I mean, th- th- it's just makes me shake my head <laughs> uh yep. it's uh but by the way it's a 10 percent tax on mature and adult uh, only games 10 percent tax so that's quite the bit isn't it yeah it's another six to seven dollars depending on well for a triple a uh price range yeah and although uh, if you go for the special edition oh man more than that Oh man, that that especially with somehow uh, some of the special editions that uh, go up there in the couple hundred dollar range. Ooh, uh, but it also makes me wonder something. Would this be an incentive for indie uh, devs to forego the ESRB altogether? Uh, it could be. No ratings means that they wouldn't have to deal with that tax. Although there's. I mean, digitally, yeah, there's lots of indie games, but there's not a lot of indie games still that come to console. It's getting more and more prevalent. Well, it really also depends on the console, because uh, Nintendo's been courting indie devs like crazy, but uh, if they force the ESRB, you know, it may make uh, devs reconsider, especially if this goes uh, more nationally, you know, you start seeing more and more states get something similar to this. Green, you know, this is just being proposed right now. This is nowhere even close to becoming law. But if you see a lot of states adopting this or threatening this, I would say the ESRB is going to be in trouble because they're not going to be able to, you know, they're not an enforcement body. They're a ratings board and it's all voluntary. The only enforcement really is from Nintendo, from Microsoft and from Sony. And if uh, a, if the devs are able to talk them into be able to release un unrated games or have a, a secondary ratings board then you know we may have a situation where the ESRB is going to start losing power I just uh, kind of thought of that you know, and kind of wrapping things up there where granted I haven't seen the wording of the bill uh, and you know it it's a law bill so you know there's it's going to be obtruse uh, language to begin with right yeah uh, obtuse, I should say, but still, uh, if they don't cover non uh, unrated games, then that you know, there's just going to be devs that are going to say, you know, why should we get rated if this becomes a more overarching thing? But it's just uh, people not understanding games and uh, not understanding the release and thinking that it has to be something other than the well. Obvious, really. So obvious. But anyways, yeah, this is all stupid. Yeah, was it? Um, it wasn't Trump, I don't think, but it was another uh, higher up in the uh, government talking about how. Was it? Oh damn it! I wish I could remember the quote now. It was talking about how video games create violence and there were people uh, giving all the game, all the countries that 
are more game centric, like Japan, and uh, talking about all the mass shootings there. I mean, I, I remember Trump did say something about games and violence at some point within the last year, but honestly, oh god, it's a giant dumpster fire blur. Well, let's just put it this way. If you look, you can find Trump saying both sides of the argument for anything. I was going to say, I mean, that applies to literally anything. I mean, there's a subreddit, Trump criticizes Trump, which is uh, beautiful, by the way. You know, big, beautiful, clean, orange. Uh, But, yeah, it's just... (laughs) Uh, modern politics just seems like such a clusterfuck. And I don't recall uh, politics being this stupid. Ever. It's the Trump effect. In the history of politics, this is the stupidest politics has ever been. Right? Yep. It's the Trump effect. <laughs> kind of like the Doppler effect, except for politics. Only everything goes Coriolis orange. effect. <laughs> Hello? Craig. Uh, that's uh, Craig. Craig left. What happened? Craig says, I have been unexpectedly disconnected. If you want me to stop recording, please command me to with Craig Leaf. I don't want you to stop, Craig. Uh, well, stop him, download the files, and then uh, restart him? Because we're winding this up anyway. Um, I should just be able to restart him because, I mean, you c- it keeps up to seven okay. recording instances. Yo, this would make great uh, Franken content. <laughs> yeah, too bad our Craig is gone. It's uh, it's a shame that we're not recording locally that, that you can pull this from. Oh wait. Oh, but he says I'm not recording this channel. Okay, well then come back and record it, Craig. There we go. Are we Welcome sure back, about Craig. that, Craig? Are you really sure? Shall we play a game? Alrighty. You just want me to play with your chess. (laughs) Moving on to our next news topic then. The the one that I wanted to jump to before. (laughs) CCP, that's the developers of EVE Online, CEO says you can't build a business on current VR. M-O-U-S-E. You saw this. Uh, Sorry, there's a lot of... (laughs) uh, CCP CEO. (laughs) M-O-U-S-E. Yeah. I saw this and I thought this would be a good discussion about the state of VR. And I don't mean this as a laughing at the state of VR and uh, uh, or tapping on its grave or, or tap dancing on its grave or anything. It's more talking about where we expected VR to be now and uh, its state as of right now, which honestly, I haven't seen a lot of news about VR lately outside Not of a while. Uh, uh, one of the... Uh, heads of Oculus leaving uh, and Facebook essentially announcing that they're not working on the Rift 2 right now, which is just head-scratching to me, the fact that they're not going to try to iterate on their hardware yet. They're going to let it linger, which... The fact that the Oculus is the head dog in this, as far as I could tell, and that they're not wanting to put in the effort, it's just... Ugh. Uh, yeah. But this is really talking about the size of the VR market. 
And, you know, it's a shame that we don't have, uh, you know, like a, a hardware survey or something, you know, that we could be able to see, you know, approximately how many headsets there are out there. Oh, wait. Uh, we do. It's the Steam survey because they track VR headsets. And according to this, uh, people that respond, uh, uh, now granted, the Steam hardware survey goes out randomly, I would say once every few months. Uh, and I haven't actually seen it on my system for quite a while, so. But Oh god, the, I've gotten it like three times in the last two or three months. Yeah, I haven't Although got, I have many PCs that I log into Steam with, so. Yeah, yeah I haven't gotten it at all. But I think the Steam uh, hardware survey is going to be a good vertical slice of the PC gaming market to see it, you know, just how many har- or, or, or how many headsets are out there, but also you know your general computer power in gen well in general. Uh, Department of Redundancy Department head here. Uh, so, according to the Steam Hardware Survey, uh, there it the total percentage for uh, Valve's uh, customer base. People that own a VR headset, it's 0.34%. So not even a percentage point right now. I mean, barely a third of a percentage point. Which, considering Valve was uh, talking about... uh, They recently saw a surge in their user base. And I'm blanking on how many there are now. So I'm happy to search that. It's over... It's way over a hundred million, right? Uh, and uh, typing uh, "Steam user surge" uh, brings up the surge, which is not what I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry about that. I should have had that number handy, but I didn't. Uh, but pretty much, they're seeing a big resurge or big surge in China because of. Uh, the Chinese uh, uh, government shutting down uh, green lighting games over there, so people are going to Steam because you know the, uh, for some reason Valve has a uh, green light over there, and even though that they have to sanitize their marketplace, it's still a marketplace. So I'm just trying to find. I did. According to this, there's 125 million Steam users, active users. So, yeah, 125 million active Steam users. I did my math wrong. There's no way that's right. I must have put an extra zero. So that puts, essentially, based on the Steam hardware survey, the VR heads, and that's not right. I must have, yeah, I think I, uh, trying to uh, calculate uh, fractions of a percent is a little difficult for me. (laughs) There we go. That's better. 4.25 million VR headset users. I was coming up with uh, I, I, I was coming up with uh, one hundred forty-five thousand. So, so that's why that's why I took Paul's. Yeah, because one percent would be twelve point five million. Mm-hmm. Or no, that would be. But consider percent twelve point five. That would be ten. Fuck. Maybe I fucked up too. <laughs> Math is I hard. Fucked up twice. <laughs> Apparently, 125 million times 
point. That would be. No, I had it right. Four hundred twenty-five thousand. Yeah. Yep, you had it right. I had it wrong. I, that's why I looked at that and thought, no. <laughs> what the way that I did it was three point four percent. Okay. Uh, so a hundred. Uh, let's just call it a hundred twenty-five or you know, to throw in a bit of margin of error on here, a hundred fifty thousand. All right. That's the entire market. That's not a lot when you think about it being the entirety of all VR headsets out there. And then you start breaking it down by individual uh, uh, hardware, where the Vive, uh, the Rift, starts to really throw in a uh, wrench into things. Where if you uh, focus on the Rift, you cut out a big market because... uh, Actually, hang on. I did screw up here. It it looks like uh, it's it was giving me the percentage on the just the Oculus Rift. So one hundred forty five thousand rifts, and it's point three one percent Vive. So let's just call it eight hundred thousand. All right. Okay. Uh, sorry, I screwed up my numbers there, but still, that's under a million. Well, I just did a quick Google did did some quick googling to check in on PSVR. And the only one of these that gives a concrete number is a report that says between 2016 and 2017, PSVR sold uh, just over 1 million units. So if that number held out for 2017 to 2018, there's 2 million PSVRs out there. Which is three times the market as PCs, uh, VR headset, uh, VR uh, marketplace total. And granted, you know, this is talking about just Steam and uh, both. Uh, well, I know the Rift has a dedicated marketplace. Does the Vive have it as well? I have no idea. I don't think so. So it is possible but, that there's more Rifts out there, but they're just not connected whenever they're uh, you know, going to Steam or Steam you know, may not just be seeing them because of that. There's also all the mobile options for VR headsets. Um yeah, which honestly lot- doesn't even factor into this because it, here it is, here it is. Uh, it's Oculus Rift at 0.34, which is our 425,000. HTC Vive at 0.31%, which is uh, brings up the total to around 800,000 with margin of error, of course. Windows Mixed Reality, which I have no idea what the fuck that is. Is that the uh, mobile? I don't know. I'll Google it. Uh, looks like it's the yeah. Looks like it's uh the mobile version. Oh, okay. That is a point zero five percent. HTC Vive Pro point zero one percent. Oculus Rift Dev Kit two point zero one percent. The Dev Kit one is at zero percent. So yeah, there's like three people out there. It doesn't even register a percentage point. So, yeah, the mobile market isn't as big as uh, CCP was uh, planning on, and that's why they're backing away. They were saying that they were expecting the VR market to be two to three times the size it is right now. And honestly, uh, with how VR was being marketed when it uh, first was, well, I shouldn't say first coming on the scene because, you know, everything that's old is new again with VR. But when it made its resurgence... It made me think that there was going to be a lot more of a focus on VR. And it just hasn't been there. But you start looking at the 
average computer based on the Steam hardware survey. And it's not hard to see why. Because, yeah. you know, the average system RAM right now is 8 gigs. And that's uh, 39%. But there's not many that go above that except for 16 gig. Which yeah. is, you have uh, essentially two-thirds of the market, either 8 gig or 16 gig. And then pretty much everybody below that. Uh, Intel CPU speeds. The average is the 3.3 to 3.69 gig. Which is your, I would say, about mid-range CPU right now. Or low mid-range. Yeah. And then everyone except for 6.67% is below that. With 0.44% being the poor bastards are below 1.4 gigahertz. (laughs) That falls off the scale. Yeah, I mean, my I'm I'm in the that upper limit. I've got a four gigahertz. I'm actually not sure where um, uh, AMD uh, would uh, factor into this. Yeah, four four gigahertz base clock, and then it's got a a four point four gigahertz turbo frequency. Well, let's put it this way: multi-threading is also uh, going to be a big problem because VR is a power hog. Uh, yeah, the average computer has four CPUs or four CPU threads and that's over half the market. So there's a reason why we haven't seen that much focus on hyper threading with uh, 29% sitting still on two cores as uh, hard as that is to believe at times. Yeah. I mean, most PC games still don't utilize more than two processing cores, which really hurts VR. And yeah. the average uh, uh, video card is the NVIDIA GTX uh, eight or sorry ten sixty, which I don't think the ten sixty can run a VR headset. I don't know; it might can. Actually, let's check that. Uh, uh, according to this, it can run a VR headset. Granted, it's not great for it, but it can run it. But the people that are going to be doing VR uh, would want a lot more than a 1060, I would think. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, the 1060 and the 480 are both considered entry-level VR cards, Mm -hmm. the the RX 480. But you have to get the 8-gig version of the 480, according to this, on... On Tom's hardware. I mean, hell, uh, the average computer only has two gigs of video RAM. I think that's rather telling right there. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a big problem with VR in the PC space. Um, it's, I mean, it, it's better than anything you can get anywhere else, but you have to, there's a much higher barrier to entry to be able to use it. The reason I check, wanted to check out PSVR, I mean, and there's no way to get numbers on mobile VR solutions. There's a lot more competition or, or a lot more uh, different headsets, I guess, a lot more manufacturers. Um, and there's just no way to tell uh, accurately. But, you know, I went to look at PlayStation just to see because it's like it's like you don't have to have anything special. You just have a PS4 and then you can get VR. Uh, and, and 
not as good, but easier to get and easier to use. Lower barrier to entry. And they've got a much higher amount of units on the market. It's still not enough. It's still... it's. I think it's beyond just a gimmicky novelty thing. We're in sort of this middle space where it could still fail again. I don't think it's going to. Mm-hmm. I think the tech has hung on enough, long enough, has been proven good enough that it's just now sort of entering the stage where we're going to, um, you know, we're going to be in a holding pattern for a little bit as it catches on more in the, sort of the, the lower, the weaker areas, like PSVR sells more. Uh, Xbox releases a VR headset that does the same thing. You see something in the mobile space crop up that's a lot better than what's on offer right now. And as the technology continues to improve, and just in general, as people upgrade their systems over time, then you have more people that are able to participate on the PC side. But it's going to have stalled, so there's going to be like that whole chicken and egg thing. Like, well, there's not a lot of VR content out here, so I guess I won't be buy a VR headset. And then, you know, VR, people considering developing for VR is like, well, there's not a lot of VR headsets out there, so I guess I won't develop a vr game yeah that's where uh, you start seeing the first party stuff uh, on consoles why uh, that has so much polish on it that has uh, so much money poured into it is that it's a system seller it's the loss leader and yeah until the uh, vr headset uh, developers uh you know uh, facebook which oh facebook first party game that's that's a terrifying thought isn't it yes it is uh but until they dole out the money to really have something beyond just the experience or the small kind of goofy game. I don't think the more mainstream gamers are going to look at VR headsets as a gaming experience outside of, you know, the experience, the walking simulator, that sort of thing. And yeah, like you said, it's the chicken and egg problem. There's just not enough money in it right now to really work on bigger titles and because there's no bigger titles, nobody's really wanting to buy in, especially when it's such a higher barrier to entry. And also, you know, VR headsets aren't self-contained. And I think that's where the mobile uh, uh, VR is probably uh, the winner for uh, outside of uh, PlayStation VR is that, you know, you could just slap your phone into a uh, clamshell uh, headset and it's all self-contained. You don't have to worry about wires. You don't have to worry about some of the wacky solutions that they've shown off at the PC gaming show uh, every E3, it seems. <laughs> uh, like the tortoise shell backpack for, that contains a computer and like 20 pounds of batteries. Uh, but I, I think there should be some sort of focus on trying to get the load off the computer, but because that's going to require a lot more tech thrown into it, I don't think that's going to happen, so we're going to have to wait until the computers kind of get past this power curve or this power barrier to entry where the more average computer, according to the Steam hardware survey, is a lot more comfortable in VR. You know, it's not going to be just kind of skirting the line or uh, you know, have a choppy or low frame rate experience because, honestly, frame rate and bad resolution is a real killer for VR. It's uh, it's a one way ticket to uh, throw up Phil, you know. Yeah. 
So I, uh, I think, I do I think intend- VR is kind of in a holding pattern right now while they wait for computers to uh, to pass the power required. The average computer, I should say, not the enthusiast level. And the problem is that, you know, well, we joked about the tariffs, but, you know, tariffs are, are going to throw a wrench into that. The fact that nobody's really kind of pushing the curve uh, on processors that I could tell. So, you know, we're at this weird kind of uh, standoff almost. And I, if you listen closely, you could hear Jim writing an email right now. <laughs> I hope to hear from Jim. His his thoughts on the matter. As the biggest VR enthusiast among us, I'd like to hear his yeah, thoughts. Yeah, and Jim, I, this is not me trying to celebrate or anything about VR not being as big as it, as as actually you also uh, were talking about VR was going to be really big if I recall correctly. It's more trying to understand what's going on in the future of VR and using this article as a, sort of a launching point from it. And I, I hope I'm not yeah. coming off as, uh, uh, you know, smug on sounding like, you know, uh, I knew VR wasn't going to take off. Because honestly, I, I agree with them. I expected VR to be a lot bigger right now. Yeah. I don't think you're sounding smug or anything. I've heard your smug voice. This is, uh, doesn't seem like your smug voice. Well, I was worried. I mean, I also thought VR would be bigger by now. No, I was just worried well. that it was coming off as smug, you know? Yeah. And you honestly thought I was going to be smug about this when I put this in the docket. I, I did, because usually you are, but I don't think you're you're sounding that way now. Um, and I've said this before, but I do intend to get a VR headset um, within the next year or so. Yeah, it's just a hell of an investment. To, I'm shooting for a, a major PC great upgrade in 2019, like towards the end of the year. So I might do it around then, or that might be like my first big purchase and in 2020 uh well i have uh, pc next year vr headset i've been on a holding pattern for upgrading on my pc because you know life happened so who knows what what will happen with that i mean i have uh, essentially two parts of the new computer i have uh, the new primary monitor and i have uh the video card (laughs) that's being bottlenecked all to hell because uh my motherboard uh, is a poor match to my uh, cpu and can't really change that out yeah not without some serious uh, it's, tech skills it, and and labor. No, I could do it. It's just a lot uh, of soldering. Uh, what have you been looking at stock photos again of people putting together computers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Yeah. Ready to, yeah. We uh, need to cut you off. Uh, uh, NCIS or CSI or MOUSC. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Moving on to our next news article, Fortnite delays full launch and free-to-play save-the-world mode. Uh, I, I saw this and put it up just because I said in the past when I uh, was playing Fortnite that the save-the-world mode was the best part of the whole game and that people who thought that the Battle Royale was better were just... Wrong. They, they're just wrong. <laughs> they're just wrong. I mean, honestly, um, uh, it doesn't surprise me considering how H1Z1 kept stalling, stalling, stalling their free version until they essentially said, eh, no, we're completely paid. Uh, there's no going to there's not going to be a free version. It, it wouldn't shock me to see the same happen to a Fortnite. Because, yeah, they're making hand, uh, yeah, money hand over the fist. 
uh, with their battle royale mode that they don't really need the free-to-play market for the save the world mode because they could just have that be a pay-in. And also, there was an interesting thing I saw in, I think it was one of the uh, Reddit uh, comments on this, that I didn't even realize is that on PlayStation 4, uh, whenever you get uh, Fortnite, uh, outside of just uh, tying it to your your PlayStation account for uh, all the time, well, for quite a while at least, uh, they have a launcher that advertises uh, Save the World, and the default uh, mode is how long save the world uh, and showing it off. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of free advertising for what's going to be a free game. So maybe yeah. they're just seeing so much money coming in from that, from uh, Fortnite Battle Royale uh, players coming in. It's like, oh, what's this? Or using this as a training ground uh, to refine their Fortnite skills, which you may laugh, but that's a thing. I mean, hell, I've been poking around the different auction sites and different uh, uh, just local market sites, uh, you know, just as a lark. Also, to see if, you know, I could get a, a cell phone for 20 bucks to send to Jared. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of people actually advertising Fortnite coaching. And it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. The way I think about it is it's like, you know, kids pay, or not kids, parents pay for their kids to get lessons in things all the time. And stuff that they're never going to do anything with in their later life. Or they're almost certainly not going to do anything with. It's just a, a little skill that they'll have. Yeah, but usually, but usually whenever uh, there's uh, those sorts of lessons, it's something that could translate over. You know, learning to play a musical instrument also instills a knowledge of music and a general idea of how music is composed so you're able to appreciate music more or be able to appreciate a particular genre of music more. Uh, Learning to play a sport teaches you about uh, teamwork, being able to actually get you the fuck outside, kid, Uh, and maybe instill a love of sports. Fortnite's uh, Battle Royale, if if Battle Royale... turns out to just be a fad all those skills that you learn is going to be very very niche which just makes me scratch my head about it and i do understand this is parents wanting to you know their kid to be happy but at the same time it just seems odd that you know there's a thing as video game coaches outside of the high level esports you know arena you know I 100% disagree with you. Oh, um, uh, oh we're going to have a discussion on this. Okay. I get I get what you're saying, but the tr- getting training or coaching in Fortnite, those skills would be transferable to other games. Um, I mean, I can, having played video games for years, I can pick up any game and within minutes be decent enough at it to be competitive with most people that play it. So, you know, receiving the sort of fast track coaching to help kids get like get that sooner in life so they can be more competitive with their friends applies. Uh, Plus Fortnite, true. you can play Fortnite completely solo. But where the only like where Fortnite really shines is when you're doing the team modes either with a partner or with a team. And there are plenty of people who play solo, but there's just as many people who play on a team. 
learning effective communication skills can be taught that way. Um, and half of what makes a team good is being able to communicate with one another, which translates to other things. Also, a key part of coaching for anything is about concentration um, and being able to apply the natural talent that you have or your advantages or your disadvantages. Those skills are transferable to other things beyond just video games. There are plenty of kids that pick up stuff from video games that they're able to think about and transfer it to other aspects of their life. I've known more than one person who's been like, I learned how to save money by playing an RPG and wanted to save up to get, uh, you know, whatever thing in the game that I wanted. And then they were like, then the less like a light switch flicked on. And I was like, I can save money in my real life to buy better things that I want or need. So that translates. And well, I was more basing this on the individual ads I've seen, not the entire concept of coaching. Talk, that's fair. Uh, talking but, about entry level or talking about people selling their Fortnite accounts on there. That's more what I was talking about. That's fair. But you also see that in ads for learning to play a piano, you know, trying to sell musical instruments or entry level, whatever, become as good as whatever person, you know, celebrity or whatever. Like, I get what you're saying, and I can definitely see, like, coming into it from that viewpoint. But, I don't I just, like, I don't know if it's my open-mindedness, or... Or me just being old. Or you just being a little bit older than me. But I'm like, yeah, sure, no, this makes perfect sense. Well, you also have to realize that I lived through the 90s. And a lot of that was video games being looked down upon. I mean, hell, we had uh, in the United States Sony, or sorry, not Sony, Sega and Nintendo trying to throw each other under the bus during a congressional hearing about violence in video games (laughs) Uh, and trying to get regulation or uh, to avoid regulation, depending on the side. Because, yeah, Nintendo wanted video games essentially to be regulated because they uh, viewed themselves as family friendly. Boy, I wish I could take a copy of Bayonetta 2 and send it back in time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, But that's where the kind of the disconnect comes from. And uh, yeah, we have earlier in the show talking about how, uh, you know, Pennsylvania wants to tax or violent video games. But at the same time, you know, we're having Fortnite uh, uh, coaching becoming more and more common. Uh, video, Video game coaching becoming more and more common. And it's just yeah. a kind of the changing the guard. And it still feels a little weird to me. That's what it is. I'm not trying to be dismissive of it. It's just, it's still at that point where it's like, huh, that's odd. Yeah, no, I get it. I don't think, I don't think you're trying to be dismissive. Just we're coming at it from two different perspectives, I guess. And that's okay. We can have disagreements. Yeah, we can have the agree-a-thon all the time, right? Yeah. And Kyle can only get so hard. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if my kid wants to be coached in how to play a video game, I'd say this will be a conversation I have to have with Katie because she's going to be like, that's stupid. Why would I do that? And then I would be like, do you play guitar anymore? And then she's going to be like, no. I was like, well, you got guitar lessons when you were a kid. I've seen the pictures. (laughs) Boom. Argument one. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, not, uh, that's uh, not a good way to approach arguing with your significant other people. So am I going to have I'm you being knocking kidding. the door to sleep on my couch? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, 
But yeah, like I said, it's just still in that area where it just feels a little odd uh, to me, just because of my age, I guess, you know. And seeing uh, video games demonized uh, for pretty much all my life, and it's finally getting to the point where it's becoming more culturally accepted to uh, get coaching from games. Even though I do understand you know, your argument, uh, I understand that there are skills there. It's also the fact that, you know, just a few years ago, people would have been, you know, ta- uh, it, there would have been, you know, the nightly news talking about, you know, violence in video games, uh, uh, creating uh, mass murders in your school. Do you know which ones? Bum, bum, bum. So that's more what I was talking about than anything else. Gotcha. All right. Well, that was a nice little discussion from something that I thought was just going to be like, yeah, I think it's dumb that they're <laughs> delaying this because the save the world mode is better than the battle royale. I mean, it's essentially just a money grab, uh, pretty much. Uh, they're, yeah. they're seeing the money coming in. And uh, as I hit my water glass, whoops, <laughs> uh, I was going to go refill it. But yeah, do not juggle your water. Unless you're yep, really good at it. That. Or you got coached in it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we've seen this in, in other games already. We've uh, uh, H1Z1 was uh, one. Uh, and I'm sure if, you know, given enough time, I would be able to think of more early access games that have delayed their <laughs> free version more and more and more as they saw uh, the money coming in. I think Battlerite actually delayed their uh, launch uh, for the free-to-play version for Coil All, actually. Granted, Battlerite also, yeah, don't get me started on that one. Uh, But do you want to get me started on another one? (laughs) Yeah, let's get you started on another one. Move on to our last news topic for the night. The Dreadnought developer Six Foot lays off one-third of its staff. All right, Rage, go. (laughs) Well, it turns out we are going to have games we played this week because... Inadvertently, I played Dreadnought, not for this uh, article at all. I mean, as a matter of fact, it was just happenstance, you know. I, I guess it has to happen sooner or later, right? Yeah, we play enough games. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, you know, we hit uh, essentially the jackpot and have the game that's being talked about so much be the one that one of us played. And I just happened to play Dreadnought because I noticed it was on Steam. Never got an email about it, granted you know, it's not like I'm on their mailing list or anything, or I was in their closed beta. Oh, wait, I, I was actually on both accounts there. They never contacted me about uh, being uh, coming on Steam. Uh, never saw anyone talking about it. It's just I was poking around Steam. Try- I was actually trying to figure out uh, the game club and looking for other games that could have been put on there. And I noticed Dreadlot- uh, Dreadnought was on Steam. And then I stopped and thought, when did Dreadnought come on Steam? So I decided to play it for a bit. And I have thoughts about it, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit on this, but Dreadnought's developers are cutting their staff mostly due to being, well, in it being unsustainable at the current uh, uh, state the game is at. According to this, they're spending approximately $80,000 a day on developers, but getting approximately 20000 on staff. Or or, or, or uh, in-game purchases. Yeah, that seems unsustainable, don't you? Uh, don't you agree? Yep, that is a, a, a loss every day. I uh, did the math. It checks out. 
Uh, are you sure about that? You didn't move the decimal point? Yep. Okay, just making sure. Uh, and as someone that's played Dreadnought, uh, both in the closed beta and the, uh, now, I guess, open beta? Question mark? Because I'm actually not sure what they consider the current state of the game. Uh, I could definitely see why they're having trouble with uh, their um, monetary flow. Uh, they're essentially taking the World of Warships model uh, and applying it to spaceships, and it's not really working out where when they severely, severely, severely fuck up their matchmaking. Uh, they have three tiers of matchmaking, and it's broken up into the ship classes, or ship tiers, I should say, because there's five different classes. And for some sh uh, ship classes, you have one choice per tier. For other ship classes, you have two or three choices, which is just odd to begin with. But the individual tiers, uh, the one matchmaking rank or uh, queue is tier one to tier two, your newbie league. The next one is tier three and tier four ships. And then you would think the third one would be tier five and tier six. But you would be wrong. It'd be tier four and tier five ships. <laughs> Which makes you wonder why anybody would bother with that if they're in a tier four ship, right? Yep. Oh, but yeah, the, the fact that the tier, uh, the ship tiers are grouped together like that, and when there's going from tier three to tier four, you're starting to see some rather massive health differences, and the fact that ship uh, upgrades actually carry over, which is an interesting thing. Uh, you're Whenever you uh, go through the technology tree, which it's not so much a tree as a bunch of linear lines, uh, whenever you get a upgraded weapon, it'll actually carry over to the next ship. And they start with that weapon, and then the, that ship gets another version of it. So you're not seeing the regression that World of Warships would have to try to counterbalance the uh, higher tier ships until they've been played for quite a while. And it's leading to some very, 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 very mismatched matches. To the point where the, I played it two nights, and I think across 15 to 20 matches, I only had a handful that were even close. Every other time, it was either just a stomp one way or the other. So I'm seeing where they're having trouble <laughs> and why the game has mixed reviews. Uh, and the fact that they also don't seem to try to call out uh, the people that are grouping in squadrons or uh, or teams or whatever you want to call them. So you'll get one group that's working really well together whenever a match is only, I would say, 10 versus 10. Seems like a problem to me. Don't uh, don't you agree? Yeah, I should uh, I should still check this game out, even though it has lots of little problems. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it solves some of the problems that World of Warships has, or like the one life and you're out, which makes uh, playing some of the more risky classes or risky ships a lot more viable. Because okay, you dive in as a corvette, which is essentially your destroyer out of World of Warships. Very small, very squishy, moves incredibly quickly, actually, especially for this game. 
uh, but could deal a lot of damage. Uh, you uh, you know, get killed. Well, uh, you just uh, warp in with another ship or come in with that ship again. You're able to essentially keep playing. And you're able to bring in five different ships of any class and tier that you want. Well, as long as it fits in the matchmaking. So, you know, it does solve a lot of problems, but the problem, the problem that they're having on revenue is that everything is tied to cosmetics or their hero ships, which from what I was able to tell, just because uh, their ship menu, well, this is a, this, they changed the UI with the Steam launch and they didn't test it. And the UI is fucking atrocious. It's able to be both large and uninformative, which is takes quite a bit of talent. There's no way to really be able to compare ships very easily. You have to constantly switch back and forth. And the ship progression list is split between companies, which is essentially your countries in World of Warships, but there's no reason to because each company has at max three ship lines. Most of them have two. So why split them, right? Yeah. It's just an unmitigated mess. And I think it's going to, well, I shouldn't say gone. It has hurt them quite a bit. So, yeah, it turns out we are doing games we played. <laughs> Woo. Uh, but they cut one third of their staff to try to you know, make ends meet. But, um, okay, so uh, two thirds of 80,000 versus 20,000. Is it just me or do those numbers still not match up? Uh, no, not quite. I did the math. It checks out. Okay. Uh, just making sure. So, yeah, it's just not sure what they're thinking on this because. They're trying to uh, go down to us. Well, they say they're going down to a skeleton crew to continue development on the game, but this is some massive negative press. So, yeah. So it's going to scare they... off a fair amount of players. How many people are playing right now? Granted, that, that is just the Steam numbers. So you have to take that into account. Uh, no. See on Steam, there's currently about a thousand people playing, a little less. Today's peak two thousand six hundred forty-one, all time thirty-six ninety-one. Yeah, but that's also Steam numbers, and this yeah. uh, for quite a while had its own launcher, and it still has its own launcher. So I would say, you know, double those numbers. Yeah, just because Which is, that's not enough. Yeah, not for what they're doing. Yeah, and I'll get more into the game itself next week, I think. Because, oh, I, I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> Particularly on uh, ship balance. Uh, but I definitely can understand why they're having problems. And it's going. I think it's going to require a very massive rearrangement of the game itself. And you're not going to do that with the skeleton, with the skeleton crew. Not in my opinion, at least. Or if you do it, it's probably not going to be done well. Yeah, which is the other, uh, which is the flip side of that. Uh, and it's kind of sad because Dreadnought had a lot of promise going into it. It just seems like 
it's another one of those games that had a great premise, but went into it kind of half-assed. It doesn't feel like you're playing this massive ship, you know, armed to the teeth, fighting against other massive ships armed to the teeth. It feels like uh, you're playing with a toy ship that handles like a broken shopping cart. That that that, ha- <laughs> that sounds kind of fun, actually. <laughs> oh, Wee! all over the place! Fuck! Crash into something. Well, that does exp- uh, that does uh, pretty much uh, explain my time with the Corvette. But it, it's one of those things that uh, the ships they don't feel like they have a long enough uh, time to kill. And that may be tied to trying to force the medic ship in, uh, essentially the repair ship. So outside of uh, the rare instance where you get citadeled in World of Warships, usually there was a pretty long uh, time to kill. I think we could agree on that, right? Oh yeah, most of the time, for sure. In this, there's not. Uh, for a good engagement, if a single ship gets focused down, it could be down in just a few seconds. Which is kind of counter to what they're trying to do with these big, massive uh, ship battles. So, once again, you know, it feels like they... This is this feels like the Telltale problem, once again. Yeah, they, they're trying to force something that doesn't fit the uh, universe. Yeah. They're trying to fit in I something sp- that doesn't fit the gameplay mechanics, or their their promise of gameplay mechanics doesn't fit what they're actually developed. Yeah, I suppose we'll see how it goes. I'll make sure and get a little bit of time in it between now and next week so that I can. Yeah, do you want to team up? My uh, own thoughts uh, uh, between uh, now and then. Grant, we do have to get some Dwarf Fortress time in. Yeah, I uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be playing much more Dwarf Fortress between now and. Oh, that doesn't bode well. And recording time, <laughs> I have. Many thoughts. I guess to to like explain that just a little bit. Uh, I'm starting to get a desire to play Eve Online after playing Dwarf <laughs> Fortress. Can't tell if that's um, a good thing or not. Yes and no. I'm not gonna spoil my my thoughts on Dwarf Fortress though. I, you're, I think you're gonna be surprised by some of the things that I have to say, or at least the way that I feel about it. But yeah, it's making me want to play... The more I play it, the more it makes me want to play EVE Online. And I'm like, hmm... I have to stay away from EVE. EVE is very bad for me. (laughs) So... Well, has it at least instilled a hatred of elves in you? No. Oh, then you haven't played it enough. I still don't hate the elves. You haven't played enough if you still like elves. Yeah, I still like elves. I'm an elf guy. What can I say? I'm a dirty, dirty elf. Now, go stand in the trade depot and um, never mind the floodgate that's uh, directly above your head. That's kind of <laughs> smoldering. It, it, it's happy lava. Sweet. Uh, Yeah. So, ready to move on to Community Corner? I think so. Uh, I'll talk more about Dreadnought next week. Okay, because, okay. I, trust me, I haven't even scratched the surface of thoughts. Yeah, you talked to me about it a little bit more off off recording, but we'll get more into it next week. Um, so the first thing that we will do is uh, say that the 
key giveaway is over. We received some fun entries. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the winners will be receiving their key in a message, uh, probably on Discord. I think everyone that won is on Discord. So, yeah. Um, I'll send you uh, a direct message on Discord with your key. Uh, if the key doesn't work, I accidentally sent you one of the ones that we used, <laughs> and I apologize for that, and I will get you one that does work. But well, we'll I ship think off, we used uh, the first two in yeah, the list, so... Yeah, so three, four, and five. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll get that taken care of for, uh, tomorrow, I think. Tomorrow or Friday. You'll have it either before or around the time that this episode goes live. So if you're a winner, you'll already know that you've won. Because you'd feel like a winner. <laughs> and you'll have a key for a game. Um, yeah, and the but anyways, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and the only other correspondence we had was a random clip from Kyle being sneaky, sneaky in one of his speed runs. Kyle's been doing Dark Souls speed runs, so yeah, that's a thing. Uh, I don't think I hate myself enough to try to speed run. Uh, speed run to me, I'm, it's fascinating. I enjoy watching it, particularly when it's commentated. And, you know what's go- what the fuck is going on because sometimes it's a little hard to follow. But I do not have the patience to try a speedrun at all. Or, or I should say, speedrun to the level that it feels, you know, like it's not just, you know, goofing around, you know? Yeah. Because some of those speedruns are just insane. As a matter of fact, uh, just not awesome games done quick, uh, but good games done quick, or uh, the winner one is going to be coming up in a few months. Uh, if you watch Twitch, I highly, highly suggest checking out some of those, particular, particularly whenever it's a game that you know how to play, and check out some, how they break it, because it's just fascinating. But yeah, that's all the Community Corner this week. If you wish to contribute, you can send your email, vglpodcast at gmail.com, or just tweet us, vglpodcast, on the a Twitter Indeed. Well, if that's the community corner, then we'll doobly do on over to our discovery queue. As we hit the music. And I accidentally, yeah, and I accidentally closed Steam like a big dummy, so I gotta pull that back up. Oh, it's alright, I have a game immediately. As okay. I do, right? Take it away. So, uh, about that, uh, uh, how about we get our ass to Mars and we terraform it? Okay. Terraforming Mars. Uh, it has some mixed reviews, which makes me a little cautious about it. But hey, sometimes mixed reviews can be wrong. And it, it does have a lot of reviews, actually. It has 177. The Taming of the Red Planet has begun. Corporations are uh, competing to transform Mars into a habitable planet by spending vast resources and using innovative technology to rise the temperature and create breathable atmosphere and to make oceans of water. So a turn-based strategy from the looks of it about terraforming Mars. I'm uh, not sure... Oh, that's a lot of downvotes. It sounds like a lot of it is just the fact that it's kind of half-baked right now. Granted, it's not an early access title, so, you know, saying that it's not great now, but could be good in six months is not exactly promising. It is. Yeah. There's also a twenty-five dollar title, so that may also be part of the problem. You know, it has that. There's a certain expectation whenever you have a particular price tag on a game, and it seems like it's also a resource hog. So yeah, 
and it's based on a board game? Huh. I never played the board game. Actually, I don't play many board games, so... Uh, have you played Terraforming Mars? No. I've seen Terraforming Mars on here on Steam, but I didn't know it was a board game. Well, now you know, and knowing is half of the battle. <laughs> yes, it is. So I got a game also. Uh, the Colonists. You sent me a message about this the other day on Steam. Yeah, I actually have review um, code for it. I was playing on uh, streaming it tonight, but um, kind of doing other things right now. Yeah, uh, I hope it's good. Um, I mean, this is the sort of thing that's right up my alley. Yeah, this little colony I've, management. I've played game, a little robots. bit of it so far. I haven't played enough of it to really give a thought on it. Uh, but it has a well. Okay, this is a colony management game, which means it usually breaks down into one of three camps: sandbox, survival, or what's emerging more and more now, Factorio. And this, at least based on the first few. Uh, uh, tutorials and a uh, little bit I played on it seems to be uh, going down more the Factorio per, uh, different supply chain route. So I think I might have just sold this to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Great. Um, I'm gonna try and get a review key for it. I don't but... know how far it goes. I do know that after a few tutorials, it has a diverging. A progression tree where it has uh, the scenarios and it either goes a more sandbox uh, build your own route or into a more uh, well not PvP but you know uh, uh, you against the AI uh, a militaristic route and I'm not sure exactly how that breaks down gameplay wise just yet uh, I'll be streaming this uh, in the next couple of days though so uh, for those who are listening right now that would be the past but I'll try to stream this on the weekend as well to get some time out. So I'll be streaming this this weekend. Uh, assuming, of course, it likes OBS because, yeah, that kind of has to be a thing. It does have an interesting uh, solution to the hauler problem. To the what problem? Uh, hauler or carrier problem. Uh, how oh, okay. how every uh, management game tries to solve it uh, differently. Because, honestly, it feels like a little bit of a waste whenever... You have dedicated population as carriers or as uh, hull bitches. See Groove. This yes. has it where the uh, carriers are built into the road system. Uh, if you look at the screenshots, uh, you see certain roads have posts on them and others don't. Those are essentially yep. main roads and secondary roads where main roads will have dedicated haulers setting on them uh, waiting to be used. And then secondary roads uh, tie into those. Very interesting system. I haven't spent enough time with it, though. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, some time about uh, the colonist. And I have uh, a, another game immediately. I, I realize that's your game on your discovery queue, and I talked more about it. <laughs> I mean, you know about it, so by all means. I've, I mean, I've actually played it for yeah. uh, like half an hour or so. Mad Tower Tycoon. Uh, so, Sim Tower, uh, uh, spiritual successor. I mean, uh, if you played Sim Tower, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all you really need to know. Uh, it, I have to say, it's a, not a very pretty looking game. I mean, there's some really uncanny valley on uh, some of the uh, advisors coming up. Uh, whenever you look at the screenshots, but you know, it doesn't have to be pretty, and it is an early access title, so. Mm. 
once again, yeah. not many reviews on it though. So yeah, take uh, its current status with a little bit of a grain of salt. But it's a little surprising we haven't seen more in the uh, Sim Tower uh, uh, area where you know it's building a, a single building and building uh, offices and stuff into it instead of you know building sprawling cities or or colonies or whatever. So uh, you are. Yeah. Yep, uh, Carcassonne, Tiles and Tactics. This is just a digital version of the board game Carcassonne. But I have enjoyed that board game for years. It's been a long time since I've played it. Um, and I like it. So, I'm, uh, I'm happy to play it. I mean, the basis of Carcassonne is you get like a set of tiles and you're competing with other people to create um, the best sort of landscape. And you create cities, and you get awarded points for those, and then there's bonus objectives you can go for to get, like, a certain size city, or a city, all of your cities being connected by roads, or something like that, give you bonus points. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly simple board game, but because of the nature of it, um, and sort of the randomness of the tiles that you're given out, uh, it can change a lot from playthrough to playthrough. Um... So I like it. And apparently there's a couple of expansions that I've never played before. So. And and I like board games, playing board games electronically like this. Uh, when they're translated properly from board game to video game. Because you save a lot of the cleanup, uh, setup and cleanup phase. Because you don't have to do any of that. It's all digital. Well, you can always just flip the table. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm also glad to see this has local multiplayer. Uh, I've played this with Katie in the past before, and she likes it, so this would be a good game to sit down and play. King's a little too young for this, but, uh, you know, the next couple of years could teach him how to play. So, yeah, Carcassonne. Okay, so I have another one. It has a, a terrible title because the English title seems to n- not really highlight what this is. My Hero One's Justice which is a 3D brawler based on My Hero Academia, which is an anime series that I actually really enjoy. Uh, it's, um, for those who don't know My Hero Academia, it's essentially uh, your typical you know, high school anime, only everybody has superpowers. And turning this into a 3D brawler uh, is really interesting. And the fact that the different characters in the show have very, very, very diverse powers. Uh, from some being really, you know, kind of niche and odd. Like, one kid has essentially sticky balls that grow on his head that he could throw and stick to people. <laughs> uh, to a girl that is very frog-like, has a long tongue, is able to jump, and ha- is very agile. Uh, the protagonist of the show uh, uh, was born without powers, but he inherited them from uh, the most popular hero uh, in that world and is learning to use them. He has essentially super strength, uh, not invulnerability, not quite uh, 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 invulnerable, but very, very uh, tough compared to other people. So it's going to be interesting to see how they try to balance that. (laughs) But uh, being able to uh, duke it out with a diverse cast you know, for a 3D brawler is pretty much all you really need and if they're able to balance the different quirks which is what the powers in the show are called it will be very interesting and I'd love to see some sort of character creator in it and I'm sure that there's a, at least a few characters in that that you would really like to see 
as I'm sure you're looking at the screenshots and noticing one particular one right now. <laughs> as you go over to the screenshots to look. <laughs> I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't looking. But yeah, it, it's a very good show, and if it could translate to a good 3D brawler, then maybe we could see more uh, anime-based uh, video games in the West. Huh. I mean, it looks like... The guy with, like, the big pointy... Well, well I was talking about the girl uh, that, that has, uh, you know, pretty much all the cleavage exposed. I don't know. I zipped right on past her <laughs> to the guy with the big, tall, yellow hair and... Uh, well, that's the... the blue that's and red might. and white. Uh, he's a giant cheese ball. You'd love him. Well, it seems I made the right choice. I mean, I saw boobs, and I'm like, okay, boobs are nice. Is this what he's talking about? And then I saw uh, this other uh, fellow. You need to go watch My Hero Academia. The first few episodes would sell you on All Might. Uh, the guy with the uh, spiky hair. But yeah, uh, that's... Uh, uh, what, what was the name of that? Uh, My Hero One's uh, Justice. A terrible, terrible title. They need to fix that. Anyway, uh, your turn? Yep. Uh, my next one is Nico Koro. And I'm just going to read this description and you're going to know why I picked it. Meet cute and fluffy cat girl sisters from space in this lighthearted romance visual novel intertwined with comedy, a bit of drama, science fiction, and fantasy. Is there tips? So yeah, cat girls. Cat girls from outer space. Dating sim. I'm there. I'm in. Now, now the question is, and I think this is an important question that we do uh, ask. Cat girls. How many sets of tits? Uh-huh. I mean, do you get the full oh. array? Do you just get the uh, one set? I'll take them any way they come. <laughs> if they got more humanoid tits, they've only got, you know, the single pair. I'm fine with that. But if they're, you know, full cat and they've got like eight sets. Or not eight, but like four sets of, of boobs. I'm there for that too. Like, I'm all in. However many tits they want to bring to the table, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, as I'm uh, quickly scrolling past... Uh... Oh, wow, I got two, essentially, Fortnite clones. <laughs> I mean, pr- uh, pretty much spot on Fortnite. But we'll uh, skip past those. And I got an interesting one. I need to drop it in the show notes. Delivers the Moon Fortuna, which is another space uh, survival game uh, from the looks of it. Well, it says story rich, so it looks like it's more story based. Uh, just looking at it first, so it's Tacoma essentially. Is this by the same group? I need to go double check this. Uh, does it look like it's uh, from uh, the Tacoma devs? But uh, that uh, uh, the holograms is pretty much spot on Tacoma. So, yeah, a, this looks interesting. a story-based uh, game about exploring a space station. I mean, not new, uh, especially with how you seem to be doing it through audio logs, but uh, I like the premise of Tacoma. I just was having crashing issues with it. So being able to explore a more diverse area and have it be more uh, story, I have no problems with this. And it's in the $20 range, so it's not quite, uh, you know, in the, you know, uh, uh, the, just, you know, impulse buy range, but, yeah. 
Uh, according to this, it's pretty short, though. Uh, according to some of the uh, the reviews here. They're saying somewhere in the order of three to four hours. Uh, but it looks like they're doing a free story content uh, DLC. So, yeah, there is that. So, yeah. Yep, my queue's all done. I got, got three this week. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through my last couple. Oh, that looks terrible. What in the hell is this? Uh, doesn't impress me. All right. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, uh, so I ended up with four. <laughs> and you ended up with one of mine. <laughs> yeah. I'll be talking about the colonists next week, though. Uh, Looking forward to I'll it. I'll try to do a, a video on it. I'm not going to promise that, though, just because uh, survival games or colony management games tend to eat up a lot of time. And I have another one that I need to spend time with. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Well, now that uh, Discovery Key's over, we'll head over to the portion of the podcast where I go first, which is where I tell you where to find my things. If you want to find me on the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. You can find Spin Tires there, as well as the podcast, and occasionally whenever I get around to doing something else. If you want to follow me on Twitter, which is, I guess, which is becoming like the main engagement place for me with members of our community... Uh, having received both DMs from people in the community as well as an extra tweet here and there. Um, you can find me over at JMA4707 on Twitter, where I tweet about all kinds of things. I was bitching about work on Twitter a couple of times this week and uh, talking some about politics, given that early voting opened up in my state and I went on Saturday to vote. That was uh, last Saturday when you... at both, I guess, time of recording and if you listen to this on the day it comes out. Um, but beyond that, if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can do so by sending a friend request to jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests and uh, chat with all the lovely, lovely people. And every once in a while, I do a little reminder. I am an actual, real, real-life therapist. You don't just and, play uh, one on anyone, TV. I don't just play one on TV. So if you have something going on in your life, you feel like you need to talk about it or want some help, maybe finding professionals in your area to go see, hit me up. Uh, that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. If you need any help, that's all you got to say about that. Just talk to me. That's all I have to say about that. And if you was to tell them more about that, the password for this week is math is hard. <laughs> yes, it is. Math is hard. Uh, so for me, if you wish to catch my stuff on the Ube of Tubes, you can do so over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage. I actually need to post uh, spin tires. I was in the middle of uploading it when my connection died. And because my connection went up and down quite a bit today, I never bothered to try to <laughs> upload it some more to, you know, I didn't want to attempt fate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'll have to do that. Uh, RimWorld's still ongoing. I've been on a holding pattern for uh, my uh, Red series, the you know the slot A, for over a month now. I'm probably closer to two now. I need to just sit down and do that. Uh, but I'll <laughs> probably not this week because I have things to do, I have buses to ride, 
Hey, look at it this way. Maybe next week I'll have an interesting person to talk about again. Maybe so. <laughs> because I, last time I was on the bus, yeah, I had the person that was cradling, cradling the American flag. Boy, I wish I was making that one up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll be trying to do that. Uh, I'll be streaming some uh, this weekend and the end of this week on Twitch. Uh, that's caffeine underscore rage there. I plan on doing the colonist, assuming that, you know, OBS likes it because, you know, that's always a thing. And I'll try to get a couple other games. Maybe I'll do some, uh, Dreadnought as well. I'm not sure. I'll see if I could rip someone else that may be listening right now. I'm as in real time to this, uh, to, uh, join me. (laughs) Oh, I'll, I'll get it installed and join you. (laughs) Not tonight. No, because I have but things to do, this, but still. Yeah, this weekend, though. Uh, But, yeah, uh, Dreadnought, the colonists are coming up, and I'll figure out some other things to stream. And, yeah, be absolutely terrible. On uh, that, Once again, that's twitch.tv slash caffeine underscore rage. And since I don't have a set schedule, the best way to be able to catch those is to watch my Twitter Gaming with CR, because I will tweet out that, and I'll also tweet out my random thoughts, my links to my other stuff. I think my last one was uh, talking about Christmas is coming, because I was picking up Halloween candy, turned around, and there was the wall of Christmas stuff, right next to uh, a a mask of a crying baby, actually. (laughs) Boy, that would be uh, relevant in a few months if you don't get what you want, huh? Yes, it would be. (laughs) Or it's just the claws is coming. Santa is coming to town and he's pissed. Because his big, beautiful, clean coal is no longer wanted. (laughs) I want some coal from Santa. I want a big box of rocks from Santa. Could do something useful in my yard with those rocks. No, what you really want rhymes with rocks. Clocks... Socks actually socks works. <laughs> That's what I was going. Cox also goes in there, but socks works. Hey, and uh, it can go into your sock as well. Cock in a sock. Sock on my cock. Uh, granted, it's not as uh, catchy as dick in a box, but still. That's my dick in a box. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. Uh, but yeah, are we ready for the ending spiel? Indeed, go for if it. If you wish to you know, give us some stuff to talk about, you can t- contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or just tweet them to us, vglpodcast. Our Podbeam account, uh, vglpodcast.podbeam.com, which hosts our RSS feed, our show notes, links to uh, all our stuff on uh, the Yuba tubes, the uh, the tw- uh, Twitches, and the, twe- and the tweeters is paid for our, by our lovely, lovely patrons. And you can find more out about that, patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Q music is doobly Doo by the same artist. His work can be found at climbpaytech.com, and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya.
You know, that almost worked as a proper outro if I didn't uh, stumble over myself too much. That's fine. That's what you do. And we love you. Hate me, hate me. Love me, love me. <laughs> Just thinking about that clip. Uh, do you want me to auto-tune that again? <laughs> I mean, I intend... Love me, love uh, me. Say that you uh, love me. You know, at one point, I actually had it auto-tuned where it sounded pretty good. And I decided, nah, I can't do that. That'd be too much encouragement. <laughs> I mean, that's what autotune does. It makes shitty people sound halfway decent. Which is also known as about, oh, two-thirds of the uh, modern music market. Indeed. Or are we talking about talent and uh, not shitty people? America's got talent. Well, I was talking about them just being shitty people in general. <laughs> I really like watching The Voice. Really gotten into that show. Number one, everyone on there can sing really well. Number two, the whole show is just positivity. Even if they don't pick someone or when they lose, everyone's always like, hey, you're a really good singer. Blah, blah, blah. It's just always so nice. It makes me feel good. Makes me feel good, Rage. Well, you're not allowed to feel good. You're not allowed to feel good. I feel good when I watch a show about people singing really well. Actually, I saw an interesting thing on Reddit. They were talking about Shark Tank, and they actually have a psychiatrist on standby uh, to talk uh, to the people that they turned down after the show uh, finished tape, uh, finishes taping. I want that job. <laughs> I, re- I really want that job. <laughs> we found your dream job. It makes me wonder how many times the psychiatrist is more trying to talk them down from their idea than uh, you know the idea of them being rejected. <laughs> Because based on some of the clips I've seen of the Shark Tank, granted, don't really watch that much TV these days. There's some weird shit that goes on there. There is indeed. But, you know, that makes good television, right? And cheap television, which is why we see it so often. But now we know your yep. dream job. <laughs> I would I would love to have that job. <laughs> That'd make the book so much easier, huh? It would. It would indeed. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Bye.